to 1 Timothy chapter 3 today as we're just continuing verse by verse through this amazing epistle. So we're talking today about church leaders. Church leaders. So everything rises and falls on leadership, doesn't it? It's a statement that's true for organizations, it's true of businesses, it's true of families, and it's certainly true of churches. Everything is rising and falling on leadership. In fact, leadership is pivotal to the well-being of this church, of Meadowbrook. So our access to accomplish the kingdom assignment that Jesus has entrusted to us is dependent on the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, no doubt. We will be successful as the Spirit makes us successful with the talents, abilities, skills, and His presence, His manifestation through us. If we're going to connect people to Christ and His church, and we're going to grow them as disciples so that they might be disciplers, and we are going to equip them so that they can serve in ministry, missions, and in worship, all to the glory of God, then we have to submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit fully. And that kind of submission and empowerment must be evident in the leadership of the church. Whatever expectation I have of you, Meadowbrook, and the expectations are high, I must first expect them of myself and submit myself to the Holy Spirit and the holy pursuit that he has entrusted to us. And for this church to be peaceful, to be hospitable, to be compassionate, prayerful, mission-minded, Bible-centric, spirit-filled, disciple-making. If we're going to do all those things, then the leadership and I must be given to those things for a shepherd is meant to lead the sheep. So when our pastors and our lay shepherds and our ministers and our deacons and our life group leaders and others are pursuing Christ, then the church is mighty and effective in accomplishing our mission. Everything is moving with leadership. Jesus makes a very simple statement when he talks about leadership. He says, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. That's leadership. Equipping people to become like you in the call that God has given to you collectively. So it's my longing to speak with confidence like that of the Apostle Paul who said, whatever you have learned, whatever you have received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. That's my longing. I pray for that. Would you help me in praying for that? And I would say it goes even further than that. Will you demand that of me? Will you demand that of our leaders here at Meadowbrook? So Christian ministry and church life are really all about character, aren't they? Therefore, the leaders must be full of good character. So you probably have noticed that husbands and wives begin to take on the appearance of one another. Certainly, they take on the mannerisms over time. Some couples start sounding like one another, mimicking one another, acting like one another, and even looking like one another. I pray that that doesn't happen to Kay, but... Uh, I can see the similarities growing as this is our 35th year together this month. I love IBC root beer. In fact, I was on the couch last night and said, hey, baby, will you grab me a beer? <laughs> she knew exactly what I meant, a root beer. <laughs> and the more I seem to like IBC, the more I recognize that she craves IBC, particularly if it's my bottle. Throughout my life, I have had some episodes of snoring in my sleep. 
And lo and behold, my wife now snores in her sleep. I grew up eating biscuits with jelly. She grew up eating sorghum syrup mixed with some soft butter and lathering that on her biscuit. And I'd be doggone if now I don't crave sorghum syrup and soft butter. I have hair on my back and now she. <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. She waxes hers. <laughs> There's just something about couples, the longer they are together, the more they are alike. And if pastors and churches are together for a long duration, then the church will take on the characteristic of that pastor. That's why it's essential that we take leadership very seriously. That's why I must pray and demand a holy pursuit for myself. And I ask you to do the same. Pray for it for me. Demand it of me. And for all those who are in leadership here at Meadowbrook. If a pastor has a biblical worldview, then the congregation is going to see the world through the lens of the Bible. And if a pastor has a welcoming and hospitable spirit about him, then the church will be like-minded. And if the pastor is mission-minded, then the church is going to reach out locally and globally with the name of Jesus Christ. Having a high standard of leadership is absolutely essential, and the Bible gives very specific criteria for leaders, which is where we are today. 1 Timothy chapter 3, read along with me the first 13 verses. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, by the way, that word means bishop. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must be, not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested first and let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Now we could spend a few weeks looking at these 13 verses, breaking down the verses into phrases and nuances that will specifically help us to understand what is required of the overseer and what is required of deacons. But today, 
I want to keep all of this lumped together and just look at it at a broad glance, asking a singular question, what should the church expect of its leaders? Well, a church should expect and demand that their pastors and leaders live to a standard of excellence, to live by a standard of excellence. They must have an excellent reputation, the Bible says. They must be well-tempered. It should be evident increasingly so that pastors resemble Jesus in terms of self-discipline and demeanor and diligence and development. He must be a family man prioritizing his family by disciplining his children and practicing good management of the household. Home life is the pastor's training ground. His reputation exposes who or what occupies his heart. Hospitality tells of his love for people. His temperament in dealing with money exposes his heart. The household highlights his management skills and his family life lets it be known if he has a shepherd's ability. When considering pastoral ordination, the Holy Spirit has set the bar high. Therefore, churches must not lower the standard that God has established for pastors. In fact, congregations should keep the standard high and expect the leaders to continue to gain in Christ's likeness as their ministry is maturing and advancing in age. When a congregation has the right attitude and understanding of its mission, it will demand much of the men who it calls. Therefore, a spirit-led church is demanding much from its leaders because it is demanding much of itself. Let me make sure we understand that point. When you demand much of me, you are demanding much of you. And the same could be true for pastors who are spirit-led. When a pastor leads his congregation to greater heights in ministry and missions, then he's challenging himself to lead the way. So the Bible says that it's a noble task to aspire to the office, to the position of overseer. Aspiring leaders should seek to develop leadership character more than leadership capital. So the aspiration is not for the position, it's not for the power, it's not for the authority, it's for the character. Let's raise our young men to grow up with character that would be becoming a people who would be overseers, those who would shepherd the church, those who would lead the church. It's not that you're aspiring to hold an office, it's you're aspiring to the office, to the character of the office. We're not about pitching for the capital of leadership. We're about the character of leadership. Nurture the character. If you're a, a student life group leader or Matt or Taylor or somebody else that's working with our students, nurture their character so that it could be that they could have the office of overseer. Pastoral leadership is foregoing of self in order to serve others to a more excellent call. You know what it is? A pastor's heart is one that lays down his life for the sheep. This isn't about rising up and holding a position of authority. This is about rising to a point of laying down your life and giving yourself to others. Expect more of your leaders, Meadowbrook. Yes, leaders are men. They're like clay vessels, but they have a heavenly calling. 
and they have an eternal mission and they have a God-breathed instruction and they have the Holy Spirit empowerment. As I've already mentioned, the church leadership charts the way for the congregation. So goes the pastor, so goes the church. So Meadowbrook, always aim high and always be challenging and demanding of your leaders. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 6 and 7 instructs the church not to rush into ordination. Don't move quickly in ordaining men. Instead, the congregation should be quick to encourage the development of pastors and be slow to ordain and place them in the authority positions. This is a simple rule meant to protect the leaders, the prospective leaders from disgrace and from the devil himself and to shield the church from harm. Now, 1 Timothy has a whole lot to say to pastors, as does Titus, but it also speaks to deacons. Meadowbrook usually elects and ordains deacons once a year. That is when we're not in a global pandemic. We have many ordained deacons here at Meadowbrook because we put much value in the servant-heartedness of people. Now, the word deacon is dekainos in the original language. It simply means servant. When you're thinking about deacon, think about servant. In church life, the common word used in the scripture for deacon is meant to be the ongoing ministry that we as Christians have towards other people, namely to one another. In a few places in the Bible, including 1 Timothy chapter 3, the same word used to describe servant describes the office of a servant, the office of a deacon. However, far more times it just simply represents the life of a Christian that serves one another, dekainos. You can pick this up in the scripture in this broad sense of the word. Paul says of himself, I became a dekainos, I became a deacon, a minister, according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. Now, no doubt, his function as a servant was to make the word of God fully known, but he saw himself not just as a preacher, he saw himself as a dekainos, a servant, a deacon. So he sees himself in that way and he titles himself such that he is a dekainos. He's writing in this particular letter to Timothy and he says in the fourth chapter of this epistle, to Timothy, you will be a good servant. You will be a good deacon, dekainos of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Jesus says of his own followers, whoever would be great among you must first be your dekainos, must be your servant. So the greatest among us are the deacons, not an elective position, but just the general servitude that we have for one another. That's when Jesus says we are at our greatest, not climbing our way to a position, but when we are faithfully and humbly serving one another. So Jesus wants us all to be deacons. So the word deacon is broadly used of all of us, but it's also used here in 1 Timothy chapter 3 to refer to a special appointment of men uniquely given to the church for the service. And then Paul gives a qualitative instruction to those who are called uniquely to this position. And it reads very similar to that of the qualities that are supposed to be found in the elders, in the pastors. Deacons must be well-respected, people of integrity, they must not be heavy drinkers. They must not be loose-lipped, and they certainly don't need to be dishonest with money. Paul says that a deacon should be one who is gospel-centered, men who have a clear conscience with their faith. 
You should expect the gospel to be so deeply penetrating the hearts of deacons that the evidence just oozes from their words and their actions and their attitudes. Integrity sets the bar really high for deacons and their wives and their families. It shouldn't lower the standard. You should keep the standard high and demand it and pray for it and encourage it. The congregation must recognize that God calls every one of the followers of Jesus Christ to serve. All of us are called to be deacons, dekainos, servants. We're each to be that. But when we're electing deacons to the congregation, we're placing men before the congregation saying that they serve well. And when we do that, not only are we saying to those men, will you faithfully serve this body in the name of Jesus Christ? We are saying to them, will you lead us in servitude? Will you lead us to be servants of Jesus Christ? And will you do it in the name of Christ, protecting the unity of the church, functioning well as a servant to this faith family? Deacons should have a long-standing service to the church and it should be demonstrated that they have Christ's self-sacrificing call, serving other people. So Meadowbrook, if you want to grow the church in the likeness of Jesus, who, by the way, left his throne of glory in order to take on the role of a servant, donning an apron, then choose deacons to serve with the heart and the character of Christ. You hear what I'm saying? If you want to grow as servants of Christ, then place men before you who are faithful in their service to Christ by serving this congregation. See what's happening? It's not just about appointing and electing and ordaining people to lead the congregation as if they're going to make decisions for the congregation. No, the primary role is for the congregation to grow in our service and in the qualities of Christ. So we place men before us who are living out the expression of that so that we might grow in that as well. We don't expect people like deacons to be perfect like Jesus, but we demand that they hold the, the mystery of faith with a clear conscience. And in doing so, the church will benefit and we will all grow in our service to Jesus Christ. Now we saw last week in chapter two, the structure of leadership is absolutely crucial. And now today, it's clear that the character of leadership is critical. Now, I've been pastor of this church for over two decades now. And I feel just now I'm coming into my stride. And as I think those things, I have a long way to go. But I've come a long way. And I can't help but think, Lord, thank you for a church that was patient with me, continues to be patient with me, to give me the opportunity to grow in leadership. Make mistakes along the way. You are filled with grace. But you ought to expect that those mistakes ought to be fewer. Oh, sure, there was immaturity in me in the past, and there's still some immaturity in me, but you ought to expect that I'm maturing more and more in the character of Christ. You ought to demand that of me. Pray for it. Encourage it. And I should do the same for you. This is what God's call for each of us is. My purpose is to grow as a leader, to develop more fully as a communicator of God's truth, to serve expressly with humility and sacrifice and purposefully train the next generation who is coming behind me. Pray for me to do that well. I'm impressed by the young staff that we have 
serving in pastoral and ministerial positions. I'm so impressed by their discipline as students of the Bible and how they are dedicated to be disciplers, leading people to the way and the word of Jesus Christ. Their impact for others in the name of Christ is good. Would you pray for them as well? And certainly Meadowbrook's lay leadership is unmatched. I can say that without reservation. We have gifted Bible teachers who are not only demonstrating that in the words that they share, but in the life in which they live. From our lay shepherds to our deacons to our life group leaders to our team and committee members, God blesses Meadowbrook with servant-hearted people. Would you pray that that would increase and that our ministries would excel and that we would reach further than ever before and that the Spirit would continue to draw people to this place? I'm also noting that some of you have had church leaders that have hurt you. Perhaps their motive was right, but their method and manner were wrong. Maybe even their motive at time is questionable. I want to share about eight encouragements with you. Would you just listen? They're for you in the handout so you can go back to them later. Here's my encouragement to you. If you've been hurt by a church, you've been hurt by a leader, even if it's the one who's standing before you right now, do not let the sun go down today with you holding your anger. Let that go. Let the anger diminish in you. Jesus makes that command of us. He also says, forgive those who have sinned against you. Can I just remind you that God has not equipped you to hold unforgiveness. It will destroy you from the inside out. You say, I'm just going to hold back the forgiveness and I'm going to hold into this hurt. That person is never going to be in my life again and I'm going to make sure that my friends, they're not feeling that. You are. So don't let the sun go down today without you getting rid of that anger by being forgiving forgive that person individuals who are sanctified make up the church who are being sanctified make up the church and I just want to remind you that is an incomplete process so we are all in a process of sanctification some people are further along than others but everybody is in a process if they genuinely have the spirit of Christ dwelling within them and that means you and I should assume that there are going to be many mistakes that people make until the completion of that sanctification and you know when that happens when we stand before Jesus face to face until then recognize that people are going to blunder they're going to make mistakes And by the conviction of the Spirit, he will reveal those mistakes to them. He will forgive them in the name of Jesus Christ. And he will chart them differently. Just to understand that process is not complete. Jesus assures us that he will avenge his church if it's needed. So you and I should just cast our cares on him. You say, but I don't know. Somebody's got to fight for. Oh, no, 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 no. Let Jesus do the fighting for his church it'll survive it has for 2,000 years he's not going to let it break down in the 21st century he will avenge it as it needs avenging seek forgiveness if you have sinned against someone and experience the release of that regardless of their response I learned that lesson pretty early on in my tenure here at Meadowbrook 
there was some fraction amongst the church before my tenure started here but I was connected to it because I was now the pastor of this church and so by default the pain and the sin of this church was now mine and yours so we went to the people who really Meadowbrook believed had sinned against them but we had also sinned so we went to them and expressed our statement of forgiveness to them asking them to forgive us and I remember telling the church leading into that conversation that I was going to present to this person or people I remember telling them regardless of their response they may say oh no 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 it's really us that should be asking forgiveness of you they may say get lost they may say we receive it whatever they say God will release us if we will be obedient to his word and as I was sharing that statement to those people I was just sensing the release almost immediately God began to provide great blessings to Meadowbrook it was part of the release so if you've offended somebody even if the offense is greater in your opinion from them to you if you forget uh, have sinned against someone go to them and ask forgiveness regardless of their response you'll be released don't allow your previous or current pain to deny your present and future joy with this faith family no doubt you've got pain and the pain might be present it might be in the past but you've got a decision to make and that decision is am I going to hold on to that pain and miss out on the joy of today and tomorrow and I would think that you would want to have the joy the fullness of joy that Christ wants you to have connected to the faith family Jesus is making all things new and it will be that way for all eternity let me just remind you it's not always going to be broken relationships are not always going to be fractured this unity is not always going to prevail there is a new day coming and Jesus is making that day coming and it will be a day that will last for all eternity let your hope be in that eternal reward that Christ is affording to us in the name of Jesus this church welcomes you we go out of our way to love on you and we look forward to serving alongside of you if the Holy Spirit is willing. Come, let's do ministry together. Now, I want to spend some time together praying in our invitation, and then we're going to have communion together at the conclusion of this hour. It might be that you just want to spend some time praying for Meadowbrook and praying for the leadership of Meadowbrook from the pastor to the staff to the lay shepherds to our deacons to our life group leaders to all those who are connected in some way in ministry you're just praying for us diligently seeking God's goodness in this church family it might be that you're going to spend time praying for the congregation it might be that you'll spend time focusing on the students that they would rise up and aspire to the office of overseer maybe it's for the area churches or the southern baptist convention or whatever the spirit of god is drawing to your attention would you just spend some time praying for that as we'll have our invitation song the song will be played and we will sing but i'm going to encourage you to pray and as you're prayerful listen to what the spirit of god is prompting you to pray about would you join me in prayer now lord in this moment we ask for your spirit's direction that we might pray your perfect will 
that you would guide us by your Holy Spirit to pray accordingly. Lord, I pray for the leadership of Meadowbrook from this pastor to the other pastors, to the ministers, to the lay shepherds, to our deacons, to our life group leaders. God, I pray that you would find us given to you, your word. May the Bible be at the core of our living. May it be the expression from our mouth and the attitudes of our heart. May it be evident in our actions that our life is given to your word. And Lord, may this church serve one another like never before. And might our service to one another demonstrate well Jesus. And might it reach out into the community, to the lost world, both locally and globally, so that the name of Jesus Christ will be more expressly known and heard. And Lord, may your nature be evident in us. We humble ourselves and submit ourselves to you and ask, O Spirit of the living God, work within us. In the name of Jesus, 